And it's actually a really great way to figure out what you like. Um, you know, you don't have to buy, continuously buy complete guns. You can build out a lower and then just buy a bunch of different factory uppers and be like, well, I really like this one. So I'm going to actually build a lower now or buy a lower for that upper. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of being able to, quote, rent that lower around with, oh, with okay, a bunch yeah, of yeah, different uppers. All right, what is up, everybody? If you're watching on YouTube, you can see a uh, uh, several AR-15s on the table, and the topics of dis- of today's discussion is kind of build versus buy. Now, Jim, you oftentimes talk about you know like oh you know AR-15s, adult Legos, they snap together. Uh, I recently you know put together a couple ARs with the help of some of our uh, great staff here at Vortex. And I'd say to me, Jim, now you know I'm not the most mechanically inclined person out there. You know, not the most. Maybe not the least. Maybe the least. We don't know that. Uh, There was a little bit more to it than I thought. It wasn't just like snap this and this, you know, two pins off you go. I mean, I think maybe it it can be like that, but, but what I did, it was not like that. There was definitely some intricate things to it. It right. depends on how from scratch you're starting. Right. You know what I mean? You can buy the thing and click it together. You know, like two different things to click it together. But yeah. if you go from scratch from scratch like you did, it, yeah, it's, there's some stuff to it. There, there's a little bit more to it. So we've got across from us, Jim, mm-hmm. we have Liam Ward, one of our, uh, one of our co-workers here at Vortex. Kind of a, uh, definitely a strong background in the AR world. Worked uh, previously for a premium AR manufacturer, definitely, you know, uh, very known in the space, very reputable in the in the space, making some some great firearms. So, Liam, welcome. Thank you. Uh, first timer here. Yeah, really excited. First time on the pod. Been listening for ever, basically, but yeah, it's fun to be on. For sure, for sure. Very excited to have you on. Now, a number, well, I should say actually two of these guns. Mark, because I keep forgetting you actually have ARs now, so yeah, one got, of them is yours. I got three. One, it's Whoa. really not even like an AR. It's kind of yeah, this other thing. Kind of in, uh, an we'll in, in between air. We'll but. talk. We'll talk. But <laughs> uh, two of the ones on the table are Liam's. I just happened to, I was actually cruising through and I'm about to do something else with this upper. So I just plopped this upper on the table. But hey, there it is. Um, but uh, yeah, Liam, you and you and ARs, yeah. you kind of have, you have quite a relationship with yeah, we this have, platform. I have a uh, pretty long history with them. Um, like, Mark said, I worked uh, for a long time at a really well-known high-end AR manufacturer and uh, got to really see all of what goes into making an AR from scratch. Um, not, you know, what you're talking about by building, but actually the manufacturing process and, and how all of that um, goes. And it's really cool. Uh, but yeah, I think right now we're kind of in a golden age of building versus buying. And I, I don't think we should even really be thinking those as those things being, uh, you know, against each other. I think mm-hmm. there's a really cool, um, we're in a really cool spot right now where you can buy really high quality, um, firearms and you can also build really high quality firearms for about the same price. Um, things have changed quite a bit. You know, you probably heard in the past, like, Oh, you could build this gun for, you know, $800 cheaper, or $600 cheaper. Yeah. Or you could build an AR for X amount. You're paying way too much. You know, and in some cases that's still true, but you know we've we're far and away from the era of Colt and Stag and stuff like that being your only options, which were, you know, usually all over a hundred, you know, thousand dollars. 
you got companies now like PSA, Smith and Wesson, and Ruger selling complete guns for you know really competitive prices. So that whole like you know it's cheaper to build. In some cases it is, but in some cases it's not. Yeah. What uh, what do you primarily do? So I like to. I let me back up. I used to buy a lot of factory guns because I think it's really important to have a factory gun. Everyone, I think everyone who gets into this, um, you know, AR world should at least own one complete factory gun. I mean, there's a lot of really cool things that go into it. Um, specifically, right off the top of my head, you know, it's going to work. <laughs> That's a big thing, <laughs> right. right? You know, like you know that when you go to the store and you buy that gun off the shelf. It's been function checked. It's been ran. Um, you know, it's guaranteed to work. It's going to have a warranty. So there's it, a lot of. It's not the first time they've, you know, it's not their first rodeo on that firearm. Exactly. <laughs> the, exactly. the experiment's over. They know how to do it. Exactly. And and it kind of like the same. I would never advise like a first time uh, AR person to build a gun. I think there's something really important about buying a factory gun. You know that it's gonna it's gonna work really well. You know the fit finish is there. Um, you know that if anything goes wrong with it, it's kind of not your fault, which is sort of, you know, that's important. Some and comfort there. Yeah. And you know that the, um, uh, if at all, at any point you want to upgrade and get something nicer, um, a factory complete gun is a lot easier to resell and it's a lot easier to trade in as well. Ah, that's a good point. So, you know, really instead of point. parting out the whole gun and be like, well, this part is worth this, 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 it's like, here's a complete X product gun, you know, yeah. and I always do feel weird if I'm see if I see stuff on the secondhand market and it's like, "Well, I built this myself." And you're like, "Well, are you any good?" Or, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I think, uh, it's that, like when uh, the place I used to work, they used to advertise at lunch that there was like a, a cafe at the work and it it was Rick's hand-rolled burritos. And the thought of Rick hand-rolling my burritos was not appetizing to me. It wasn't? Yeah. No. Did you know Rick? Yeah. <laughs> was that why? Because you knew. Did it Rick? make it worse that you knew? I Rick? just didn't like. Yeah. I don't need to like picture somebody's hands like in my food. That's not a. How uh, do you think burritos are rolled? It's fine on a machine. I'd rather. <laughs> I'd rather be um, machine rolled burrito. What is that? You know, blissfully unaware. Jeff. I guess so. Oh, blissfully ignorant about like, how your burritos are made. How do you like your? Uh, I'm just saying, like that no, wasn't like that's not what I've been. That's that's not the headline that I would have put to the burrito. Sure. Yeah. And you always get that like. You know, Bubba's reloads or Bubba's builds or whatever. Like, <laughs> are we sure? Exactly. Yeah. I'm so, just saying it's marketing, Jim. Yeah. That's all I'm. Anyway, I, continue. I think right now um, I like to kind of do a little bit of both. So I'll start with, well, I want to build, for example, this gun. I guess if you're just listening, I'm looking at a SOP mod clone that I'm building right now. Uh, this is a Block 2 clone. Um, and I started with a DD upper. Um, because that's gets me, you know, sixty percent of the way there. Okay, DD um, Daniel Defense, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, if you guys don't know about cloning, cloning is where you are um, either an enthusiast of uh, service rifles, or you served and you want to rebuild what you served with. Uh, it's a really kind of cool, kind of niche, but becoming a lot more popular uh, space now. I think that's primarily why. Um, building became so popular was because they were trying to rebuild and recreate guns seen in um, theater. So this gun specifically um, would run on a Colt set or receiver. So 
again, this is kind of like a long-term project for me where I'm looking to get the correct um, Colt keyhole upper and lower set, um, yada, yada, yada. But for right now, I wanted it to function. I wanted it to be a complete gun. So I just went with the Daniel Defense Mark uh, M4A1 upper with the SOCOM cut barrel. So I get pretty close to where, um, you know, I get good components. But yeah, and then I'll start to build out exactly mm-hmm. what I want from there. So I think there's a really good um, blend of both things that I like to do now. Yeah. So I think what, and we have this answer to nearly every question, but I think what you're getting at a little bit is it depends on, if you're asking yourself, do I build or buy? It depends on what do you want to do with it? What Correct. stage in your career, if we'll call it that, are you in? Because there's absolutely, I would I would never say like, oh, you should never build a rifle because there's plenty of instances where building a rifle would either be would either be rewarding to do so it might be advantageous to do so it might be cost uh savings to do so what's the eh, whatever costly uh, economical <laughs> economical thank you um, or cost savingsly cost, yeah, cost savings i think cost savingsly is better i think that's in the new uh <laughs> modern dictionary <You're> right <laughs> <laughs> uh it might be it's it in mi- mine now i'm going to keep using that <laughs> yeah it might be any one of those things, or I mean, heck, if you're just some absolute baller like home gunsmith and you've done it ten thousand times, maybe you feel you can eke out something better than is what's mass produced. Um, but yeah, it, re- it really depends. Well, and getting back to what both you guys have said, like you know, I amassed this like you know basket of parts, right? But I need like you know, I have access to people that have done this a million times here at Vortex, right? So it's like, hey, here, help me out with this. You got right. you got an hour, let's put this together, right? Had I been doing that myself, dude, I'd still be putting it together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Liam, is, um, I mean, in your experience from everything that you've seen uh, over your career and having built some yourself, what do you think is the thing that m- hangs most people up when it comes to building their own rifle, like where do you think they fall short if they're not super experienced of what a experienced, you know, well-established AR manufacturer can produce? I think it's really just fit and finish, right? You're trying to take a bunch of components that aren't made together and put them together. Right. And yeah. This brand's trigger yeah. and this brand's grip and that mm-hmm. brand's upper and, and that brand's Not even lower. that, but just like, like I said, like the receiver sets, like, um, you know, a lot of high-end manufacturers, they machine their receiver sets as pairs. So oh. you're getting the tightest tolerances that you can get, and you're you're not going to have any wobble. You're getting a finish that is, um, you know, just a lot more um, complete. And you're also, um, like, you know, kind of like what we touched on earlier, you're getting a lot more um, reliability and guaranteed function out of that firearm, mm-hmm. which is huge. I always felt like a big one that was a little bit... Um Oh, I don't know. It either, like, it's simple in concept, and when I've done it in the past, I've kind of been like, I haven't really put a whole lot of thought towards it. But I also hear some people describing how much better you can make the the rifle if you do it a certain way, is mating the barrel to the upper receiver. Like, I don't know about, like, your experience of what you know about it, but, you know, if you just look at a general how-to, it's kind of like stick barrel in upper, barrel extension, put barrel nut on and torque to and their range for the torque spec on it is like it's massive like 40 to 80 i mean literally (laughs) like you couldn't you can't mess it up hardly yeah um 
Uh, you can, but well, I guess yeah. you can. Yeah, but I mean, it's it'd be hard to. It's not some super uh, precise thing that they that they lay out right. for you. And so I'm always kind of like, well, I mean, if, is it really that easy? But then there's other people who are like, well, you gotta shim it right and coat the bear and put this surface thing or whatever. Yeah, I think it comes with just a lot of uh, reps with a rifle. Period. I mean, you're gonna if you have a lot of reps behind one of these, you start to feel and understand the differences and the nuances of did I do this right? Um, you know, is this component tolerance is correct? Um, and in the case of barrels, you know, the, if you torque it wrong, your accuracy is going to dip. Your reliability could dip. Um, your parts wear could, um, increase. Um, but the biggest thing you're going to see out of that is definitely some accuracy depletion. But, you know, if you're a guy who shoots your AR, four to six times a year, just dumps mags into garbage, then you're not going to notice that, right? But mm-hmm. if you're really spending a lot of time behind it and you're trying to uh, stretch out its capabilities, you'll definitely see the differences in accuracy and um, repeatability and accuracy, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I'd imagine also, like, what you're talking about with, like, hey, for your first one, you know, maybe get a factory gun, right? Because then you do, then you do have that baseline of a, of a firearm that functions properly. So you're going to get a feel for that feel and then be able to translate that over when you do eventually build one. You're like, okay, yeah, it should be like this. like I, Or, you know, at least thereabouts. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is if you you can talk to a bunch of people, you can read all sorts of forums and stuff, but if you've never spent time behind one, you're not going to have any reference to anything that they're talking about, right? So you could have that whole, like, well, a shorter barrel is better for X, Y, and Z, um, but if you don't know what a longer barrel feels like, how are you going to know if that's better for you or not? And that's really important. I don't get it. Are you implying that I actually need to do something in order to have a strong opinion about it? Well, you know... Have you been on the internet? Yeah, I, do you I know. realize what year it is? Yeah, I know. It's uh, a lot of <laughs> yeah, a lot of opinions out there. Sorry, everybody. We thought we thought Liam was a, a viable, credible guest, and it's very clear now that he is not. definitely not. I <laughs> he's experience mistaken. actually means nothing. Absolutely, ever. Absolutely, you are experience correct. and knowledge mean nothing pertaining <laughs> to any kind of topic at all. <laughs> You know, one thing about the whole Fiverr's build thing, and it's interesting because earlier on we brought up the fact that, you know, it used to be really heavily said, and in some cases still is true, and people still do say this, is that you can often buy, or sorry, build a gun to a certain level of quality cheaper than you would be able to buy it already built to that maybe same level or, or same level of uh, quality of components and things like that. Um now, one of the things that I think people fail to realize is that a lot of people who say that, they have an established home armory, if you will, Correct. and home sort of gunsmithing mm-hmm. suite. The tools to build your own rifle, they're not, I wouldn't say you're going to the levels of like a, uh, you know, ASE certified mechanic, but you could if you wanted to get real nuts with it and buy a lathe and all that stuff. Uh, but I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of tools you have to get as well to do it right. I would say the baseline that you would need to, and this is going to be different for most people. You know, you're going to have some people who say, well, I can do it on my kitchen table, right? Which you probably can, but if you wanted to do it with my (laughs) father-in-law once, (laughs) how American it was very American. We did put a tiny chip in his granite counter. Ooh. 
He was so excited, though, he forgot about it. It'll buff out. It'll buff out. I'm sorry. I interrupted. If you want to do it right to a, and you want to do it to a, a quality level of a factory gun, and you own nothing, you're probably looking at about $1,000 in tools, um, in a workbench, in a vice, things like that. I mean, those are going to be your heavy hitters. But if you really want to do it right, you're probably looking at about $1,000 mm-hmm. in just tools to get this thing going. And like I said, a lot of a lot of people will probably push back on that and say, well, I do it on my computer desk, whatever. But how many times have you lost something? How many times have you put dents in granite countertops because you're not doing it the right way? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, heck, <laughs> I was putting that Spark Solar on yesterday, actually, on a workbench with a vice. We had the tools, still dropped a screw. Yeah. Well, that also, I mean, depends on the person, too. <laughs> well i would say if you're going to definitely get into building i would 100 percent recommend buying um i forgot what company makes it but basically it's a uh, fishing tackle box full of spare small parts oh yeah that is a really handy thing to have because a lot of this stuff is under spring tension um detents can go flying and you'll never see them again yeah until you suck them up if scott parks grabs your gun and decides to tear it apart Things were going to fly over the room. It's, true. it's a very Scott thing to do. You're going to need those parts that Liam is talking about. What? So what? We talked. You talked about like you know like like a workbench, a vice. What are like what are the other types of tools that a person would like need to have? Yeah, you're definitely going to need um, a vice block to set this into the vice. You're going to need um, an armor's wrench and hopefully a really good quality one because um, crappy armor's wrenches put a lot of marring on stuff. They um, can not be quite exact in their measurements as well. Um, you're going to need a really good torque wrench, and you're definitely going to need um, a good set of steel punches, brass and rubber mallet, roll pin starter punch, receiver bench blocks, so you don't put things in countertops. Um, and then, like I said before, spare parts. Um, some things that are nice to have, magnetic bowls for all your small parts, so you can put them in there. Things aren't going to fly around. Um, a reaction rod to hold the barrel in place. So as you're torquing down on something, you're not putting a ton of pressure on where the barrel meets up with the receiver. Um, that's actually a really nice tool to have. Kind of expensive, but um, definitely good to have pin punches, you name it. So the list is long. Plus, you can, if you don't have a workbench and a vice, that's a monster. That's a pretty good investment. Mm-hmm. It is for sure. Well, I mean, if you're the kind of person who you feel, I mean, that's that's where it comes in. Where if you bought a factory gun already and you yep. know that this is your thing, you're like, I'm going to shoot a lot. I like ARs. I'm going to build more. Then you know that starts to become more of a thing. You're like, well, it makes sense to make that investment, but it's tough to do so when you haven't even really considered what you're going to do or like how much into this you actually are. Absolutely, and I think that that's why I'm a big proponent of for your first one just. Get a factory gun. Figure out what you like. Figure out the barrel length you like. Figure out if that gun you bought doesn't fit your needs. Um, and the only way you're going to do that is to shoot it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, figure out why, what triggers you like and why you don't like those triggers. You know, just some components you can pretty um, easily uh, upgrade. And that's the other thing. Once you start out with that nice, complete gun, you're starting with a pretty good baseline. So you're... Um, you know, your investment into upgraded parts shouldn't be insane. You know, it should be just small parts, really. Yeah. 
when you buy a factory gun, one of the, and you could call it an advantage or a disadvantage depending on who you are, but one of the things about it is that company has essentially already gone through the job of deciding what components are mm-hmm. going to be on it. If you go the custom route, you have to think of everything. Or I'm sorry, then when I say the custom, I mean uh, the home build route. You have to think of everything. Um, and that's actually funny enough oftentimes where the whole like cost savings can go out the window because you're like, oh, wow, yeah. they're super custom special uh, trigger pins? Yeah. Oh, I want those. I don't want the standard ones. Or like, oh, I can get a super custom special select like safety selector thing? Yep. I want that. And then that can add up the cost quite a bit. Um, but, uh, but you've already, you're sort of, they've done the work for you there. You don't have to think about all that. When you have to think about it, it can start to become either you get mission creep or you're spending more and more and more and more getting Gucci little tiny parts. Um, gentlemen, or shameless plug here. We yeah. did a podcast a while back called AR's where to spend, where to save. That's right. We did. Yeah. You can always listen to that one. So that's a good one. Um, or then, you know, you just have to, you have catalogs of stuff to just yeah. flip through and decide what you want. Um, you know, I know you just mentioned, obviously, you we've talked about this factory route. You figure out what you like. You figure out what you want to tweak and all that stuff. Um, how's that look for you now when you build one? Like, what kind of stuff are you going through? You're like, okay, I'm going to focus on, you know, going through all, every, exhausting every option and avenue that I can for this part. And for that part, yeah, just give it the standard. Well, I think um, kind of what you're going off, it's not only a, a cost thing, but it's a time thing too, yeah. right? Like your time to find these parts, especially now, like, you know. Oh, yeah, this, you finally found it, it and it's not in stock. It's not in stock, right? So it's just, it takes a long time to find those parts too. But there's also something fun in that, in my opinion. You know, you're, you're, it's a project. You know, you do mm. your cars and stuff. It's like, it's a project. Yeah. working on it all the time. Um, me, I like to usually start with um, barrel length. That's where I, you know, that's kind of the heart of the rifle is the barrel. So um, I'm always going to start with, well, what am I going to use this for? And what do I think I'm going to use this for? And then I kind of go from there. Recently, um, that's changed a little bit to what gun am I going to clone? Um, I know there's a lot of, I'm, slowly becoming a more of a clone guy where I'm really appreciative of uh, some of the cool service rifles out there. And so that kind of more dictates what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, before it was like, all right, well, I want to, I've shot so many different kinds of guns, shot so many different kinds of ARs. I really like, you know, a shorter barrel. So I'm going to buy this barrel and that's where I start usually. Mm. I mean, it does seem, I mean, that seems pretty logical. Like, that barrel length is going to kind of dictate it what di- the gun will ultimately be in a lot of ways or what it's for pretty or much how you want to use it. That and, that and caliber are pretty much the things that dictate most. Um, you know, receiver sets are um, are cool, and they're really important, obviously, but the barrel length um, really sets up the gun for what it's going to be. You know, whether that's going to be a pistol or an NFA item or not, you know, that kind of dictates some of the other stuff that you're going to put it on it. Um, but yeah, so it's, um, barrels are really important. Um, I would say if you're building a gun, do not skimp on a barrel. Yeah. Barrels make all the difference. 
What, uh, you know, even within that, let's say you've chosen a length, there's still umpteen gazillion choices you can choose within that length, or yeah. at least that, like, very close within a half inch or maybe sure. an inch or so. You've got, um, oh, phosphate, chrome line, nitride, stainless, <laughs> carbon, uh, big, thick, heavy barrels. Yep. You've got lightweight, skinny barrels, regular medium ones, ones with pin gas blocks, ones with... I mean, I, the list goes on. Yeah, for sure. And again, it kind of goes back to right now for me specifically. Um, that a lot of that's dictated by the cloning process. Right. Um, but um, in the past, it, I never really dove into those super heavy. It was always like, well, I know this brand makes an excellent barrel. I know sure. this brand makes an excellent, um, long life, uh, very accurate barrel. So I'm going to start there. Mm-hmm. Um, Whatever they offer in the yeah. length I'm looking for. Whatever for. length, the, yeah, yeah, for that sure. makes sense. Um, what do you uh, what do you think about like, you know, these different contours and stuff of barrels? Like, I remember there was a period of time where I was like, oh, it's so sick that there's like lightweight barrels. They're super skinny, but then some people were like, well, you can't be as accurate with a lightweight barrel. And so then I was like, well, now I get maybe like slightly <laughs> chunkier barrels. But then I'm, I don't think it really matters to the majority of people who are going to build a gun. I, I, I don't think um, you're going to see that much of a difference in accuracy. I don't think you're going to see that much weight savings either. Hmm. Uh, I think that's, you know, sort of myth. By the time you put optics, lights, et cetera, et cetera, those couple ounces you saved on that yeah. barrel, you're, you're making that up somewhere else, really. Um, and, you know, as far as contours go, unless you're doing something with a very specific handguard, I don't think it's that important. Yeah. Yeah. I will say if anybody, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, this gun's heavy or whatever. And I get trying to like, you know, ounces add up to pounds. Sure. But I mean, feel like most other like fighting carbines out there. There's a lot of guns that are way heavier than an AR-15. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, almost the whole thing is aluminum. Yeah. Aside from the barrel and you know the bolt and all that, yeah. but a lot of other guns are all this stamped yeah. steel and wood yeah. and all that stuff. And like like your that. AKs or your um, airport. I mean, me. stuff even like like a Tavor and stuff like that. You know, so. well even like Liam commented earlier, this Sotmod clone that he has here. He's like, oh, you know, it's a little bit heavy, but it's cool. And you know, I picked it up and I was like, it wasn't overly heavy actually, and it, it's kitted out. I mean, it's got you know. Uh, LPVO on top. It's got, yeah, I mean, it's got laser beams. It's yeah. got some laser beams <laughs> on it. I mean, it's uh, it, it's ready to rock. And it wasn't, I, you know, and you know me, Jim. I like, I, 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 I fancy a lightweight gun, but I didn't find it was like, oh, I'd never carry this thing around. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, uh, one of the things. So if we're while we're on the barrels topic, uh, and part of the reason I had my upper up here is because I brought it up to old Larry, who's going to help me put a different muzzle device on it. But figuring yeah. out the muzzle device, well, there's certain things just overall when you build, uh, or even when you buy a factory gun that you have to think of for the future, you know. Um, and so, Lee, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I know it, with myself, there's like a fine balance between okay, there's like some new part or component to a firearm. And it's kind of a bit, we'll say, trendy, for lack of a better term. Sure. And I'm kind of like, I want it, but I'm also nervous that that trend's going to die off, and then I'll be stuck with something that has no more support. And then there's the old tried-and-true mil-spec whatever 
that you know you're like, well, it's not as cool, but at least it's going to be around for the next hundred and you know million yeah, years. Sure. So I'm thinking about that too with like muzzle devices. Which muzzle device you put on it? You're like, well, I'm putting that on because I want to put a suppressor on it. This right. is going to be a host for a suppressor. But then it's like, okay, now I got to actually think about. I've been having to literally create. I never create spreadsheets. I hate them, Mark. But I'm well, creating I, a spreadsheet. It's on like I'm using Microsoft Word because I don't get Excel. Whoa. But you know, because I'm like, okay, I have these suppressors, these rifles. Those suppressors can go on these guns, but they can't go on those ones because they don't have that muzzle. But these, you know, and there's all of a sudden all this. Once you start getting more than one gun, or you want to start yep. having things swap around, you have to think ahead. Yeah. So you're growing up, Jim. You're thinking about the future. <laughs> Yeah, new gym. What can I say? I actually <laughs> ate breakfast this morning too. It must have been the near death experience, right? <laughs> must have been that. Must have been. Um, yeah, I think that it's there's so many options out there, specifically for muzzle devices. But one of the things that I think, as a whole, the firearms manufacturing space could get better at is a little bit more standardization. Yeah. Um, standardization, in my opinion, is is innovation especially now we've gone so far into proprietary parts for everything. Yeah. It is kind of a hassle to, well, to yeah. try and, you know, think ahead and, um, you know, make things work across uh, guns and cross platforms. You know, if you could have a, a muzzle device that was good for numerous different companies suppressors, mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. None of us have the same muzzle device on any of these uppers. Nope. The other thing I noticed is I've got key mod, you've got pick rail and over there and you've got M lock. Yep. <laughs> And then, and so, and that's one of the things I'm fighting now is that I like key mod, but the rest of the world doesn't. They like M lock. And so, therefore, I'm trying to find, you know, little adapters and things to put flashlights. You get a flashlight on yours, and you go and you get one, and you're like, ah, crap, it's key mod because I didn't read enough before, you know, or like ever. And so, I got a key mod thing, or I'm sorry, an M lock, or what? Now I'm all messed up, even. This is what happens. Right. You know, but then it's like, or you get the wrong thing, and you got to get, then the light doesn't work with the laser, and the laser. There's, a, there's yeah. all this. When well, you start outfitting them, you know, there's all this thinking of. Yeah, and crap. I think recently, well, not even recently, you know, once once the once the big army kind of decided M lock was the way, everything shifted over to M lock. Right? Yeah. It's more of a standardization. Um, and. In my opinion, M-Lock's a little bit more secure than KeyMod is. Um, the KeyMod stuff can walk out a little bit easier. Um, but yeah. either or, you know, it really, for most people, they're never going to see a difference. Right. Um, but that being said, you know, like probably right now, you could probably find a bunch of KeyMod stuff on sale. So if you're trying to cost yeah. save, then it's sort of like, oh, well, I could build a KeyMod for a gun, save some money on some parts here and there. Um and you know whatever and if people call you nerd then they call you nerd but you know you save some money but that being said key model get you killed in the streets mm-hmm. picatinny is really coming back to me picatinny it, it ain't <laughs> uh, going anywhere no and it's for a long time you know it's like oh it's so chunky it's so heavy but man there's something cool about it still and um you know especially when you get into Again, the cloning world of looking at, um, you know, service rifles and stuff like that. It's really cool to see um, the way that they outfitted their Picatinny guns. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody gets key mod and M-Lock stuff, and then they start putting stuff on it. And a lot of times they wind up, like, putting a little pick rail little section, pick rail section or whatever, and then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. they got all this crap mm-hmm. all over there. Yeah. Um, but you did, there is a lot of thinking ahead, and, that, and then... 
way back to the beginning of what we were discussing is, you know, factory gun usually has all that figured out. And, exactly. And, you know, you may have to try and then if you're getting accessories, buy it to work within their ecosystem that they've set up with that gun. But at least you are only thinking then about things you haven't bought yet to work with the gun. You know what I mean? Right. Because a lot of times when this is something that will happen, if you haven't built a rifle yet, it will happen. You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to be so organized and detailed and whatever, and I'm going to get only the right parts and have nothing left over. Not no, true. Not true. You're going to have all kinds of spare parts and crap, and they'll grow into other rifles. And yep. Literally happened to me uh, two weeks ago when I was putting this one together. I This receiver, lower receiver, used to have a law folder on it, um, okay. and I took that off because that wasn't right and realized that I had completely misplaced the buffer detent spring I was right like, i was like i have no idea where this went um and i didn't have any spares so i had to drive up i had to call a bunch of shops that were local luckily one of them had a couple so i was able to go and buy it that day but if they didn't have it then i'm sitting there on brownells and ordering it you know and i gotta wait a couple days or whatever so yeah. um yeah it's always even when you've built a number of them there's always something that you're missing or something goes missing yeah that's usually the case <laughs> yeah that happens a lot or then you end up with spare parts because now you have a law folder yeah what's that going to grow into yeah well that's that's the problem with this addiction right because you right. you see one even spring and you're like well that could be a gun that could be a gun <laughs> that could be a whole gun nobody ever takes up well i shouldn't say nobody i'm sure somebody out there does somebody very responsible I've never been, like, something like a law folder, for example, mm-hmm. that you had on this receiver. If I took that off and then I, you know, replace it with just a regular standard setup, I'm not going to be like, well, this law folder means nothing to me. I'll just sell it for, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. And now it's gone. I'm going to be like, I'm going to keep this because someday I may need it. Someday. And then it's going to sit there long enough and I'm going to see it enough times that I'm going to be like, why don't I just get a... It's so annoying. Just It's so little. I don't want to lose it. Why don't I just get a lower to stick it on? And I don't. Have, it doesn't have to turn into a gun, but I'll just I'll just have a lower to just put it on. Yeah. And then You don't want any of the, the small screws to go missing, so you're like, well, I have to assemble it and put it back on Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then you get the lower, and you're like, well, I'll put a, I have a leftover pistol grip. I'll put that on. You're like, well, I'm so close to a complete lower. And then you're like, oh, I should click an upper on this thing. And then next thing you know, it's like laser beams, it's optics, yep. foregrips. Another complete gun. Another gun. It's like AR seeds. It's just it like the spring, and then... This could be <laughs> whatever it wanted a... to be. That's exactly. Right. That's right. It's pretty pretty amazing. But I think another cool thing about building a gun um, is that you kind of get a better appreciation and a higher understanding of the functionality of the gun. You know, like once you've built one up um, from parts, you, you kind of can understand, all right, well, if this happens, it's because of this. Um, or if this malfunction happens, it's because of this. And I think that's a great exercise once you've, spent some time behind ARs and you were pretty familiar with them to be able to then deep diving further to understanding how they work. And that's a great way to understand how they work is just by um, assembling one. For sure. William, have you, have you ever like been able to spot or almost like pre-spot a malfunction because of that knowledge? Then you're like, Oh, something's going on here. That's different. Yeah. Or not even just like a malfunction, but you can see when stuff's going on. Like if you, shoot someone's gun, it has some bolt bounce. You're like, oh, it's the wrong buffer. Or, oh, oh okay. it's the wrong buffer weight. Uh, there's a lot of things, or it could be over-gassed. You know, there's a lot of things that 
go into that. But it's just kind of unpleasant for the person shooting it, especially for the first time. I remember we, I was shooting with a bunch of guys, and um, you know they just finished building a gun, and every time they shot, the whole gun would just rattle, and you could hear it just rattling. It's like, well, what buffer weight do you have in there? And it was like a massively heavy buffer weight. And they're like, well, it's just, I don't know. I was just reading. I read that this is better for this kind of gun and i'm like yeah it's better for this kind of gun if it's suppressed like mm. there's a difference here um and so yeah just having that little bit of uh knowledge is good especially when you're um just seeing how things work inside of yeah you know you bring up the the like little fine tuning some of those details too um that's one thing that like that's that's some next level stuff. I feel like when you get into building a gun, I, a lot of people like to throw adjustable this and adjustable that like in the gun that they're building, and then they usually throw all the adjustable things in and then tune them all to just standard. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I have all this adjustable stuff and I'm not using it at all. Exactly, because it's kind of confusing to use it, and it takes a lot of tr- trial and error and testing the uh, the like scientific method, if you will. Um, I usually I I actually. At very first, I was like, well, the adjustable stuff is more expensive, so therefore more better. So I'm going to buy all the adjustable stuff. And then I did it, admittedly. Set it all to just like standard setup and didn't touch it since. Um, because I was like, I don't want to mess it. It works. It works. So now I just get all, I don't, I get, yeah. I don't have anything adjustable on any it of my works. guns anymore. That's another perk of the factory gun, right? Like they've tuned it. They've been yeah. building these for so long and assembling them. They know it works. So you're going to get a gun that's really reliable, and you're going to get a gun that's uh, really finely tuned already, most of the time. Yeah. Are are they coming with adjustable features, or it's just like, no, it doesn't have to be because this is how it's supposed to run? Some are, but uh, the majority, I would say, are just like, hey, this we've tuned this gun yeah. the way it's supposed to run, and it runs. Yeah. Um, I got a question for you, Liam. On strategy of building and buying and you know, the hybridized approach, sure. if you will. Um, what I have started to do more so of is I will build on my own a lower, which I usually can do slightly cheaper than a a purchase lower, usually. Sometimes not, and then I just say, screw it, whatever. And then I'll just buy a complete upper. Because I feel like lowers are easier for your regular dude to just kind of like put together at a kitchen counter or whatever. Uh, until it gets to like tightening down the castle nut. In that case, it is nice to have a vice or something. But definitely, and a good torque wrench. Yeah. So. Um, but it's usually more easy. And then the upper, which I kind of like to leave to the pros because it has that heart of the gun, the barrel in it. Uh, then I'll just buy like this is a factory complete upper, and then I can just have a lower that I've built and just stick different uppers on it. Yep. That's a that's a really great way to do it. Um, and it's actually a really great way to figure out what you like. Um, you know, you don't have to buy, continuously buy complete guns. You can build out a lower and then just buy a bunch of different factory uppers and be like, well, I really like this one. So I'm going to actually build a lower now or buy a lower for that upper. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of being able to quote, rent that lower around with, oh, with okay. a bunch yeah, of that's different uppers. That is actually yeah. a really good way to put it. Um, but yeah, I, I love, that's kind of the same thing I do now is I just buy, usually I buy complete uppers because mm-hmm. They're tuned, they're gassed, and I hate doing gas blocks, so that's another thing. I just let someone else do that. It does, when you get an upper, it feels like you got a new gun. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of all, like, you know, like you said, you can just click it onto a lower and go. 
And then the one nice thing is, too, is that, okay, I've gone through the paperwork or whatever of getting one lower, yeah. just having to go to the gun store and all that stuff. And now I get a bunch of uppers sent to my house. Exactly. And click, 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 change that around. Try and it out. Yeah, yeah, you just, it's it's a little bit easier process. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're, you know, as long as you're kind of making sure you're not breaking any NFA rules with that. Clicking, but, clicking yeah, the wrong yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, let's, let's uh, in a in a non-lawyer fashion, don't take any of our words as perfect legalese, but just do briefly explain that for anybody who's listening. For yeah, that. so, um, you know, the, the law is anything shorter than 16 inches uh, in barrel length is considered an SBR if you are putting it on a rifle lower. Um, most of the time when you buy a gun and some manufacturers when they create and register those serial numbers with the ATF it is either a pistol or a rifle lower and so you know just make sure that you know the rules you know the laws and you're kind of you you know you're not putting on a short barreled um, upper on a rifle lower because that could be a bad time for you yeah yeah Yes, so this is not to this is not a discussion on the unconstitutionality of anything in that in that <laughs> realm, but we're just saying that it just kind of like is. Yeah, it's but just, yeah, you know, it's the rules do not express, do not represent the uh, the thoughts of yes. people in this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of thoughts, <laughs> I need to try having a complete one. But yeah, like you said, so for example, this gun over here, what actually, what is this a full on sixteen inch barrel or fourteen five? So it's fourteen five with a pin and weld. So pin and weld. So so what he's saying there is, and and again, we're kind of c- communicating to somebody who is maybe your your more newer AR buyer or builder. Uh, the barrel length on that one is fourteen point five inches, but the muzzle device is actually pinned and welded, uh, which you can kind of look up what that process is. But it's pinned and welded on, so therefore it's considered a permanent part of the barrel, and it it brings it into that sixteen inch realm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have it on a lower with a stock, a stock that is designed to be shot from the shoulder, the shoulder or whatever. Yes. So therefore, it is a rifle, rifle. lower. Uh, but then you have actually over there a yep. a, a pistol. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, an AR with a pistol brace. Correct. And uh, you know, I mean, provided we don't have any more overreach, then that is kind of is what it is. It's considered a pistol, and yep. uh, you can then have a shorter barrel on it, and you don't have to go through the NFA Correct. process. Okay. Correct. Cool. Yep. So that's just something to be aware of for sure. You know, it's easy to click the two together, but. Just make sure you're not putting <laughs> something that's not supposed to go on something. Yeah. I'm a felon. Click. Or I'm not a felon. Click. click now I, I am, am a felon. felon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it can be as simple as that, folks. Yep. Uh, phooey. It is interesting, and this is getting more, we're, I'm totally sidetracking here, but, you know, you're talking about, like, oh, the barrel length dictates, you know, what the, the, the purpose of the rifle and this, that, the other, and. I mean, some of these these shorter ARs, they're just shorter because they're purpose-built for a specific application to do that job better, and it just would work better if it was easier, Jim. It would work better if it was easier. I, I just wanted I just wanted to take that time to complain a they're, little bit. And the shorter the shorter guns are a little easier to shoot. I mean, that's just, they are. just what it is. Like those twenty twos that I was telling you about, Marco. I know. I love those twenty twos. They're what are they? Eight inch barrels, nine inch barrels, or something like that. Perfect gun to like. I got a suppressor on it. You hmm. give that to like a youngster. They're yeah. not going to be all freaked out by the giant bazooka boom, you know, and all that, and it's lighter weight. Lighter weight. Oh, it'd be wonderful. But, you know, oh, heaven forbid. Anyway, we can go on about this for, for hours. We can go on it forever. Forever. Yes. And how 
ridiculous it is. But, <sighs> but uh, yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask a little bit, Liam. So I'm, we got, you know, barely into your background. But I guess what what was your gun background before working for that AR manufacturer? And then kind of like where did your interest in all this come from? Um, I think it really – so before I, I grew up like – most everyone who works here works in this space, grew up hunting and fishing and, and all that stuff and around guns. Um, but I really took interest in this um, space, the AR space, uh, probably when I was around, let's see, I don't know, maybe 14, 13 oh, wow. or 14. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, kind of really through like video games and movies is super influential. You know, I grew up hunting with traditional hunting rifles, but, um, you know, seeing all of these cool things in video games and movies, it was really like, Oh, that's, that's a really fun, cool gun. Um, and I grew up in a state actually that is really difficult to own stuff like this. Um, so once I had moved out of that state and, um, built my first AR, um, actually, I actually kind of did the the hybrid method first mm-hmm. i bought a lower and i bought a complete upper snap them together boom it's like wow that was easy i have a gun cool mm-hmm. um and from there it was just you know as everyone most people can attest to this you just start falling down the rabbit hole you know i want to build this gun i want to build that gun i want to you know kind of do this but um since then you know i think it's the most versatile platform there is i think it's the most um uh, you know, this really is America's rifle for, for what it is. You know? It really and, is. And it's, mm-hmm. you can do anything and everything with it. You know, it is the most versatile platform out there for sure. I mean, you could take this build, which looks completely military. You could go kill deer with it. No oh, problem. heck yeah. No problem. So oh, and you could great. even do it with this guy. No problem. Why not? It's like the practicality mm-hmm. is just Absolutely. huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you brought up earlier, the accessibility of them now mm-hmm. is is so great because a lot of times you see things, well, no, actually, well, you can see things go one of two different ways. Sometimes things get more expensive over time and sometimes they get less expensive over time. In the case of ARs, I would say that you are seeing a little bit of like, they were expensive to start out, or at least they just seem way more unattainable. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just me, but it, it felt that way for... Like, you look at them and you'd be like, wow, that's cool, but it was yeah. really expensive. Or, like, it wasn't that compatible with a lot of other stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. They were a little bit more of this mystery box. And nowadays, they, you you brought up the uh, oh, one that I know I shop at all the time, and I'm going to call it out. And I'm sure somebody's going to yell at me because we have, there's lots of other ones, but, like, Palmetto State. Mm-hmm. Armory, uh, a couple of other ones, you know, Smith and Wesson and Ruger's stuff like that, who are making who are making parts or complete guns that are, relatively speaking, very affordable and like good. Yeah, they're not all proprietary and weird. They only work with their mags or their whatever. Mm-hmm. They're, no, they're like a full on. It's a full on AR, and they're yeah. good. They're pretty good. Yeah, I yeah. mean, for most people, they're they're perfectly adequate. Yeah, and that's probably not, you know. You know, bougie ARs are bougie ARs. It's sort of like cars, you know, like a right. normal car is probably good enough for most people. Right. Um, I don't know. There's something about ARs, like with what you said, where when somebody hears it's perfectly adequate, they're like, mm, I can't, mm, something's wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. And well, 
I don't know what it is about ARs and, and, and when people I think, say that um, stuff, like, oh, I just can't get something that's only adequate. Yeah. Well, weirdly, what if I have to take on North Korea with it. <laughs> weirdly, I think a lot of that comes from um, people justifying not spending the money. Yeah. Um, you know, there is the oh, well, you're poor if you run this, whatever. But I think, well, I see a lot more of it now. Is like, well, mine is just as good, so I'm justifying not spending money. So instead of but I, you know, you, it doesn't really matter, really. You know, if you once you start, you're going to start, and you're going to start to see where some of those inadequacies are in mm-hmm. your cheaper builds or cheaper guns. Period. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I am a full on. I'm full on guilty of most of my ARs. I sit here with actually like a not cheap upper right next to me, but a lot of the that stuff. That looks pretty I'm, nice, Jim. A lot of the stuff I'm getting now, though. Like, I feel like I've established, I have two really nice factory guns. One's just a factory lower and a factory upper clicked together, and one is a full-on factory gun. I've got those, and then all the rest of my guns where it's like, oh, this would be good for this little niche purpose, or this yeah. one's going to be my uh, whatever, you know. It, then that, I'm like, ah, I just get the cheap one. I just get a cheap upper, cheap lower, I'll get, you know. Oh, that you go on that website and they got some crazy deal going where you get like uh whatever their handguard is and all this that and the other thing and it works you know okay cool I'll take it it'll yeah. work I mean most of the time it's gonna be perfectly adequate for whatever you need it to do yeah the only time you're really gonna see anything I think um, in a higher quality component is you're stretching out to range that's when okay start is that where you really feel like is that like where you feel you notice the biggest difference for me for sure yeah you know once you're starting to see barrels heat up super fast because they're not um they're not high quality barrels then you're starting to see a lot of accuracy different differences um triggers especially you know mil spec triggers probably about six or seven pounds give or take you get a nice you know aftermarket trigger in there and you're right around two to three pounds it's kind of you know again sort of very similar to traditional gun you upgrade these parts and you're going to squeeze more accuracy and you're going to squeeze better performance out of them so Mm -hmm. well speaking of some of those parts you know jim you were talking about like oh you know i'll buy a lower and lower parts kit so like what and they were buying the complete upper so for maybe a person that wants to go that route what's everything that's going into that lower well, you, you are going to start with the lower receiver itself. Then you're going to probably go to um, a trigger or a fire control unit. Um, from there, uh, grip, and uh, then the small parts are, you know, you could get really nitpicky with anti-lock pins or something like that, but most pins, just normal, normal pins work fine. If you get most of the lower parts kits... If you get that, a grip, and then, you know, like a stock kit of some sort and a yep. trigger, you're pretty much, you're pretty, pretty much, much there. there. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing to upgrade in the lower is the trigger or the fire control group. So, mm-hmm. Do you ever need to be careful of, like, some of those things not fitting? Like, like will some triggers not fit in some lowers? Or? Um, I think that really only comes after the fact. You know, like there are some triggers that are cassette triggers, so they're not two pieces. Um, it's one giant piece, and then you'd have to take out something to fit it in there. Um, so that is one of the places maybe it's a good place to start with that. If you know what trigger you like, then you kind of build it in first. Um, 
but you know for me i have a very specific trigger i really like and it's pretty much in most of my guns and i don't need to do that it's still a two-piece trigger mm-hmm. easily what trigger is it Geisley ssae it's a really nice two-stage trigger it's a pretty common one here yep tossed around a lot um something else we were talking about with lowers Oh, well, we're talking about all these parts and things like that, Mark. And, you know, like, I mean, we're it wouldn't make sense to do in a podcast, just list out all the parts because somebody listening to this is, well, great, I just no, wasted my time. Yeah. But, uh, but <laughs> one of the things that I think is really nice now is you're getting companies that are actually encouraging the builders. You know what I mean? So, like, it's not, oh, yeah, I guess we sell some parts, but you should really go buy our factory gun. Yeah. Um, you know, one that sticks out is like Aero Precision. Absolutely. Yeah. Very centered around builders. Yeah. Um, I know I mentioned before, I mentioned like the Palmetto, they have kind of hybridizing either yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go and you get a full gun. And, and I'm missing boatloads of options here, so I apologize. Um, but they'll sell like full-on kits. And it's, and it's really nice. Uh, one of those sites that I was just on recently would sell you everything disassembled. Oh, so nice. they're they're actually almost in, in a lot of ways. I feel like if they assembled it all into a full gun, it really wouldn't be that much more expensive, right. slightly. And that right. and all you're doing is paying for labor there. But they're actually in that case, what they're doing is encouraging someone to build it themselves. Yeah, you know, and they're saying like, we know that you want to be the one to finish this because either you think that's fun, you think you can do it better than we can. You want to sub out at least one part, you know, yep. but we'll get, still give you a really good deal if, you know, you just throw our, our regular mill spec one in there or whatever. So you buy that for whatever reason, but it's it's really nice because then you don't have to do as much of the parts cataloging. Right. You yeah. just get to do the building. And so you can be like, I'm going to buy this, which has everything in it that can ship to my door. It has everything that can ship to my door. So the only thing I have have to get other than that is the lower, which has the serial number on it, which has to go yep. through an FFL. I'll get all the other stuff shipped right to my door. If I don't feel like subbing parts out, I just open the box and it's all there. And I just boom put it together. together, which is really, it's yeah, that's pretty cool. That that shows that people are, are enthusiast oriented or they have that mindset yeah and that's kind of like a do-it-yourself diy i think that's kind of more coming more common period just in general people's lives you know i'm going to redo my bathroom or i'm going to redo my kitchen i'm going (laughs) to do it myself right um and i think that's really cool you know in regard to those kind of more i guess kits that you're talking about too jim I see that as being cool. Like earlier, you're like, oh, yes. Inevitably, you end up with an extra thing, or or you you forgot something, and you're like, oh, great. Now I need. I had this thing close to put together, but now I need this one piece that I didn't have. That's a good fail safe for being like, I got all the stuff I'm going to need. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know that you're going to have everything you need. <laughs> and yeah. it's and it's kind of like that factory gun vibe of, and it's also supposed to work together. And it, yeah, exactly. That is there that is correct. Yeah, they've there's all these different styles of I guess enthusiasts. You know, it's funny because you have um, and, and I see it. It's it's absolutely perfectly mirrored over into the other hobbies that I have. Like I mentioned, cars and things like that. But you have the folks who are like, I literally don't care how it's made, what goes into it. I care that it works and I want to use it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's awesome. That's your factory uh, gun right. person yep. or whatever. You know. And then there's the people who are like, 
I really just, I'm crafty. I like working with my hands. I want to build it myself. But that is a whole lot of BS to try and go through to actually figure out what all I need. Just somebody do that part for me and I'm going to build it. And then there's the people who are like, no, I want to do everything. Uh, and in that case, then go out and buy every individual part and you'll probably have something in the end that's pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you'll learn a lot too. There's a lot of trial and error. You might screw it up. Oh, you're definitely going to screw mean, it up. I mean, yeah, you're probably going to screw it up, <laughs> let's be honest. And you might have to buy another part because you broke one. Or yep. you might put the whole thing together. And it sucks. And then you have to take it all apart and find out where you didn't torque something right. So this doesn't match up with that. Those par- two parts don't yep. like each other. And nobody else has done it before. And so you tried to look on the forums, but you just took a took yeah. kind of a leap of faith there and it didn't work. Right. I mean, you'll have probably a little bit more you know, doinking around. But yeah, as standard as these are supposed to be, very rarely is anything actually standard standardized. Uh, unless it's a factory gun. So Yep. That's the truth. But I think, you know, also with that, if you're the type of person that wants to put one of these together, like you have that personality. You like to tinker, you like to learn, you like to put together, maybe even have it I mean, you don't want it not to work, but you're okay with it not working because then you're going to figure out why it wasn't working, and then you're going to have just a better understanding of everything at the end of the day, and you'll know a heck of a lot more than just buying it off the rack. So Yeah. Mark, I feel like you're that guy at the, that first mention. Don't tell me how it's made. Don't make me do it myself. Just give it to me and let me use it. Oh, yeah, for That's sure. You. I mean, that that is me, but I have, like I said, I've got these amazing resources here at Vortex, right. <laughs> so I can be like, uh... There you go. When you yeah. say resources, you act like you say it like it's plural. We all know it's just Ryan. No, no, uh, Mucky. Uh, well, that's Adam. what I meant. It's, <laughs> it's just literally I said we all know it's Ryan, and the first person you mentioned is Ryan. Mucky well, Ryan. I, yeah, but uh, Ryan and uh, Adam Maxwell and a couple other folks. That's you know, fair. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Oh, um, Dan Knuth helped me out a lot. Actually, very knowledgeable gentleman. Very knowledgeable. Liam is very is very knowledgeable and a gentleman. Yeah. We got lots of AR experts around here. And so, like, which is why, like, it wasn't, that's why it wasn't intimidating for me because I'm like, yeah, whatever. Somebody's going to know how to do it. <laughs> that's the other thing, too, though. Like, there are so many resources out there now. There are. You know, again, kind of in that golden age of being able to build or buy and do whatever. And there's so many resources out there to help you with all of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And if, you, if you're crafty enough with your Google Foo, you can probably find somebody, even if you're into, like, some weird, like, very custom idea. You can probably find somebody who's, who's even done, done it. it. I mean, somebody's probably like, what about an AR and 50 BMG? That's been done. Yep. For sure. You know, what about a... I want that. You know, insert odd idea here. Somebody else has probably had it too. Yep. Yep. They are truly the most versatile um, platforms yeah. out there. For sure. Liam, what's the deal with Mark's not AR? So Mark has a BRN 180, which it's actually kind of neat. I'm, I'm talking yeah. Why about, would you not like that? It's no, pretty I cool. Just, it's it's uh, I just like giving you crap, Mark. It's actually pretty cool. I actually really want one of those. Um, it is a. Why don't more people have these? Because I feel like actually when you when you really break it down, you know why isn't this the norm? Um. Well, because it's a it's actually an older design. Right. The AR-180 design. Gosh, is that like 60? Yeah. I was looking at that yeah. the other day. And it's, I think it's really cool. Um, 
Brown Nose has done a great job of bringing retro stuff back. But super know, into the clone game. I really like it. I think it's cool. Um, it's got um, an AR one eighty style um, function to it. Um, so the recoil springs and the recoil buffer and everything that is inside with the bolt carrier group. So the way Mark has it set up is cool, but it's not the way it needs to be sometimes. Like the, does it, that gun doesn't need a buffer tube. Right. It is very neat. I'll get with you. We'll we'll figure out how to make it how it should be. What do you mean how it should be? Well, Liam was oh, just with saying a different that stock. It's not you can put yeah. some kind of. You can put anything you want on here, Mark. Yeah, you could just get a. Literally, this, the options are endless. You could put some crazy looking AK wire stock on it. You could put some kind of newfangled folder on it. Absolutely. You can. Yeah, the sky's the limit. Us other guys, we got a big giant spring and a weight in there. We got to. Yeah. We got to deal, deal, deal with that. I'm on the Brownells website right now. Just yep. Great right. shout Order out to Brownells in this episode. <laughs> it is pretty, uh, you know, way to go, Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of the fact that you know, after everybody was getting on you for so long about uh, about not having an AR, you just went all in and, and built three. And one of them, uh, one of them was this, which is very sort of you know off off yeah. character for you. Off brand. It just seemed. Uh, is it, seemed is cool. it off brand though? You know, for Mark. Mark. Mark likes some weird stuff. I mean, Mark likes weird lunches. So he. True. He, he likes the weird, the weird kind of stuff here. So. I just like that. again. It's functional. It's practical. Practical. It's handy. Like that's like nice handy gun, truck gun, go gun, whatever gun, like whatever gun. Yeah. It's too clean. What do you mean it's too clean? I mean, I mean it's too clean. Is it even? We can dirty it up a little bit. Yeah. We should do that later today. I'll see you down at Edge. Well, fine. All right. See you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call me. <laughs> uh, I feel like, well, fine. Then do show up at Edge and shoot your gun. See if I care. Yeah. Twist my arm that hard to do that. <laughs> uh, ain't that the truth. Um, Liam, are we missing anything else? I don't think so. I think we really covered a lot of it. Like yeah, and and like we said, you know, this wasn't designed to be a how to build no. your first AR. Because the thing is, that's another one of those things. If you actually listen to how to build an AR on a podcast, you, we're gonna just gonna be wasting your time. Good luck. You're gonna be off like trying to close I mean, you your would eyes be. and picture what we're talking about. Or that's a YouTube project. I mean, I know yeah. we film these for YouTube, but Liam already mentioned that. Well, yeah, it, this is a conversation. Liam already mentioned this. There's so many resources out there. Yeah. Figuring out how to how to put together an AR. If that's you, you're left at that point at the end of this podcast wanting to know that. Absolutely tons of resources for you. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just search. Yeah. And you'll find it. Um we are a uh, we are a country who loves its AR fifteen. Uh, well, not as a whole, sometimes. But Let's be honest. Lots of people. Let's be Lots honest. of people. <laughs> Pretty much everybody. <laughs> Even the people that say they don't like the AR-15, you know they watch those movies and they look at the guy carrying that AR-15. That could be me. And they're me. like, that's pretty sick. They, they secretly like they it. They secretly yeah. wish could, they had that one. That could be me. Yeah. I could yeah. be cool like that. I could be. And then they just go and they aren't cool. And they're just not. And that's the, that's the hey, thing that kind of stinks. But you know what? Got to stick to the brand sometimes, right? The brand that you make for yourself. Not if you're Mark. You just... <laughs> Sky, no sky's the limit. There's no <laughs> rules. <laughs> Unpredictable. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I also like at the end of this, too, Like it's not like there's some clear winner of build versus versus buy. Like I don't think there's no, one. No. One isn't better than the other. It's like, what's right for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's like the gun itself, right? Like, what, what are you going to use it for? And then what's right for you? 
And that's the, exactly the same mm-hmm. as if you're going to buy something or build something. Yep. Hey, Liam, before we, uh, before we go, can we talk about all these stickers on your water bottle? There's some pretty good ones on here. Sure. I just right off the bat, I noticed. So we have a we have a send it that uh, sticker that appears to be in the Seinfeld font. Yep. Um, um, we've got a Whataburger. Um, yeah, that one really drew my interest in because we've got some we've got some fans of the podcast who I think are also very big fans of Whataburger. Yes, and I'm curious so is this is this pro Whataburger or are you is, actually throwing very, shade? No, it's very pro Whataburger. Um, this is from my buddy Agans on Instagram. Um, if you actually, if you have any questions about radios or commu- communication devices, he's your dude. Um, I actually do. I have lots of questions about that. Hit him up. So Are you in some calm stuff, maybe Jim? We should, I don't know. <laughs> he's a big, uh, he's a big calm guy. I think um, so. We should get him on the. These podcast. these are fun. I mean, this is a very fun one. Like, because uh, we are in Wisconsin. So. Oh, that's that's so hilarious! M- it's a Milwaukee, Milwaukee Tools MP5 machine gun. Please um, tell me Milwaukee ha- makes that. I wish. And then it runs on, well, it wouldn't need to, but somehow it runs on <laughs> M18 batteries. Right? Um, yep. And you just got some a, other cool stuff There's on a here. kitty cat saying good, good luck. Good luck. Yeah, uh, what, the bomb. What, what's forbidden trample? Forbidden trample. So it's kind of a playoff of the don't tread on me, but I'm Korean, so it's got like a little <laughs> bit of a <laughs> forbidden tiger. Kind of, it's also you're the tiger for... For people, um, Mark, you would love this one. Do what? you get it? Get it? The Subsonics. Get it? Oh my god! Hold, the, just, hold that up for the cameras. Look at that. Hit up the MP5 guys. Oh my if you gosh. want these, it is not MP5 the guys. Seattle Supersonics. Instead, it is the Subsonics, and I've, it has also an, an MP5, MP5 SD. Maybe that can be their new basketball team someday if they ever get one back. Oh my gosh, that would go that would be so well in Seattle. So well. So. <laughs> That Mark, I will. I have extras. I will bring you those. Subs- I will. Subsonics. I will gladly stick those subsonics that to, are uh, so hot right now. Wow, yeah. still tragic that the Supersonics left. But Honestly, I, dare to dream. Coolest team in the NBA for no other reason than just the fact that they were the Supersonics. Colors were great. Uh, I think they're coming back. Do you think so? Yeah, think? I, I I listened to a, a different podcast and big NBA podcast. And okay, they said expansion is probably coming. So Vegas <sighs> that and would be so cool. Vegas and Seattle are probably back in. Oh, I'm getting chills. It would be and it, it would be, be so. They, if they went with anything other than Supersonics, it would be so dumb. Oh, I already like hardly. I don't really watch that. the NBA. It was yeah. cool that Milwaukee won last year, but but I definitely wouldn't watch ever if it was anything other than the Supersonics for sure. Exactly. People would lose their minds getting the Supersonics back, and they Without would the they name. would equally lose their minds if they brought a team back there and it wasn't the Supersonics. Like yeah, you, but, in, but in a bad would way. In a good one way is good way. One bad yes. way. Yes. How do you think? What do you think the level of lose their minds would be if it was the Subsonics? Higher or lower? <laughs> a lot than of if people they didn't pick a lot of Supersonics. People, a lot of people wouldn't get it. A lot of people wouldn't know what that. They'd was. They'd be like, I don't get yeah. it. It's worse. And then all of us gun guys would be like, but it's better. <laughs> it's so much better because <laughs> it suppresses. <laughs> uh, Everyone who was listening is now not listening anymore. Yeah, that's all right. We lost them all already anyway. So yeah, I mean, we'll probably be able to look at some sort of graph where just people <laughs> the, the, fall the off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people unsubscribed. Um, sorry about that. Well, if you didn't ups- unsubscribe yet. <laughs> It sounds like we're your kind of people. Okay. Um, well, you don't have to tell us what 
guns you have by any means. No. But if you've uh, you're if you're probably if, got lost in the boating accident too. Honestly, the seriously, by at some point we're gonna have Gun Island out <laughs> in that body of water. <laughs> They'll have built up so much. It'll be an island of guns. I want to walk on that island. I do too. Um, but are you a buy or a build kind of guy or gal? Let us know. And did we? And if we didn't answer one of your questions on either of those things, let us know. We'll try and answer yeah, it. Please. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch Bye. you on the next one. Bye. Bye. There you have it, folks. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, give this video a like if you liked it. Comment something below and give us a subscribe to the Vortex Nation podcast channel. It would mean a lot to us. Also, why don't you give us a follow over on Instagram while you're at it, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'd love to hear from you over there, and we'll keep you updated with all kinds of cool photos and videos from our adventures that we do here. Otherwise, we will see you on the next one. Thank you again. Happy hunting and shooting, everybody. Have a good one.